number one source for after show and Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing after-shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Countdown to Patriot Season. I mean, Red Sox Rap 360. Alongside Bobby DeMuro, I'm Mike Conley. Bobby, where we can find you on the uh, Twitter? Uh, you guys can tweet me right now if you're watching this live or anytime this week at Bobby DeMuro. You can also hashtag. Do you know you have a hashtag on Twitter? Did I tell you that? I do? Yeah. Your hashtag is just Mike Conley. That's that's, that's what they're doing now. You sure that is in the Memphis Grizzly? You know, I never even thought. Yeah. yeah there you go. Is. So I'm if not, you hit that hashtag, you probably get a lot of, a lot a lot of, of basketball. I'll probably have to do hashtag Mike Conley with no handle. Or something like that. Like a you know? ninety character hashtag. You know? Well like no handle meaning no. No, no, I, I know that, dribble. but I'm saying like oh. that's like too long of a hashtag. Probably so. Probably yeah. so. And yeah. then another reason why I'm not on Twitter yet. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work it out. We'll give myself a nickname or something. <laughs> but uh how's everything with you, man? Hey, Rockies won two out of three this weekend. I feel good. Well, that's enough. Red Sox, let me say this. Let me just depress you from the start. Oh boy. I just want to touch again that Two or three weeks ago, you and I bet. Wow. You said that the Red Sox were going to win 87 games this year. They are 50 and 62. Uh, we got our work cut out for us. <laughs> it's not going to happen. They are tied for the worst record in the American League. Mm. If you can go from worst to 87 wins now, I will buy you. Six lunches. Wow. Yeah. Just up the stakes. Now I'm getting odds. I like it. You win 37 games in the next seven <laughs> weeks. Are you kidding me? You know, that was in an optimistic time. And I'm optimistic Mike Conley since, you know, 04, you know? Yeah. Pre-04 Mike Conley, I would have thrown the towel in about, you know, two months ago. I did. You should have joined you me. You did. You yeah. did. You did. Today was a nice game, though. Mr. JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., Proven that he might not be a foray player and maybe he belongs in the bigs. I still need to see him hit the ball consistently. Yes. What was he, two for his last 16 coming into today this week, or last seven games or whatever? Yeah. I mean, look, he's got tools. He's another one of those guys. But the question is with him, because Bogarts and Betts have sort of proven themselves, although they're very young. Brock Holt's still real young. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s been up a couple times. So how much longer do you give him chances before you say, hey, he might not be a prospect? Hey, maybe we move him while we can still get something for him? You know, he's a guy, I think, I know this is crazy, but maybe... He's a guy this winter gets moved because another team says he's young enough. Maybe we can use him. Maybe we can change something about his swing, his mechanics, whatever. And the Red Sox say, <laughs> to be honest, we got to move him before everybody finds out he can't hack it. Yeah, you know. And I think it, him being one of the players they put on waivers this week too. He, you know, they're obviously seeing if there is a market for him out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where he has been such a light hitting guy. If there is anybody out there, but there's gonna be teams that I mean, he's definitely a caliber of a fourth outfielder on a team, especially if you have a suspect center fielder, you know, and you can bring him in at the end. Yeah, but I mean, a guy like that with Jackie Bradley. My question is, 
he strikes out a lot. So let me look at this. Okay. So his year to date for Jackie Bradley, where is he? He's not even on our list here. Oh, yes, he is. 58 at bats, 18 strikeouts this year. He's hitting 121, getting on base 25% of the time. That's a real small sample yeah. size. And four ribbies, right? I think. But yeah. on this season, yeah. No. But my, my issue with him is a guy like that who's fast, who's a fourth outfielder, you need him to put the ball in play and get on base. You know, some teams have fourth outfielders who hit home runs. National League teams, you might want him to pinch hit. It might be a little bit different. In the AL, I think you want a guy who gets on base, especially a center fielder. And if he doesn't do that, if he strikes out a lot, where's the value? Yeah, no question. And that was kind of his MO in the minors. You know, yeah. he had a good OBP in the minors. You know, it's just if he's able to transfer it over this year. And he, the Sox have given him opportunities, especially last year, the first like two months of the season, which were pretty unbearable to watch him unless he mm -hmm. was on defense. You know, but and then this year, it unfortunately it looks like his maybe uh, his his. Um, Opportunity is going to be ending now that uh, Mookie Betts is on the mend. Yeah, which and that's the other thing with Jackie Bradley. That's a guy who, honest to be honest about him and to see what he really does, you would like to give him what 250, 300 plate appearances, let him play for two or three months. Well, you got to be on a real bad team to do that, or have a great lineup around him and just say he plays defense in center field. We're going to eat it. Stick him in the nine hole. Let everybody else hit whatever. The Red Sox aren't at a point to do that. They haven't blown it up. They're not going to win, you know, 58 games next year. And they're not in a playoff race yet where they're so good they can afford the lineup thing. He doesn't have 250 plate appearances to get next season in a hypothetical 2016. And if you can't get the everyday plate appearances, what do you have? No wonder he's, you know, 10 for 58, whatever, yeah. this season. Well, he had four ribbies this season coming into today, but today he had five. What's up? Well, and a sick Willie Mays like catch in center field. Let's not go that far. I mean, it but was I, no, I mean maybe nice. it's the start of something. Maybe he rips off you know another good week, and or maybe it's the start of something bad. He rips off a great week. His stats because of a small sample size, he ends up hitting you know two twenty this year. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, Jackie Bradley took a step forward. Let's take a look at him, forgetting that one good week caused him to hit 220. You yeah, know, when yeah. you have that few at-bats, that's the kind of crap that happens. It's true. I mean, he didn't get quite 250 plate appearances last year, but, you know, he probably got 180, yeah. you know? And, and then, they were in chunks. They gave him an opportunity. It was two months, then he was down, then he came back. Yeah. Like, I, I'm saying, like, a guy like that, you want to develop and see what you have. You want to play him every day for two months. Well, they then did that at the beginning of last year. And it he didn't just work? wasn't hitting his weight, so mm -hmm. they had to send him down. And he's a light guy. <laughs> and this and this is the time I think this winter is the time where that's the kind of guy who gets moved because maybe another team like the Phillies they got a lot of young outfielders but a team like that says hey young guy outfielder former high draft pick great athlete great defense maybe you know so and so as a hitting coach who's seen video on this guy and says if we do this one thing it's going to change his whole swing that happens a lot in baseball yeah. happens all the time maybe they move him yeah, I mean, more. they probably are going to move them, but they're not going to. I mean, it's like it's the old business major in me is saying, you know, you buy low, sell high. And, you know, this is an instance where we will be selling low on this kid, you know, unless we sell him right now after his five obby idea. <laughs> or I, 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 my, argument, my argument is this is the selling high. This winner would be selling high. If you let him play out another couple months next spring, I'm a pessimist, but I think it's going to get worse. Then you're going to get nothing for yeah. him. I think you sell high now while some while somebody might still think he's a prospect. Yeah. Well, plus he also like there is no place for him to play. Yeah. I mean, when Betts comes back and Betts Betts today, by the way, two for four at Portland with a home run and a single. So he's looking good. He's probably going to be back in the mix on Tuesday in Miami. So, How bad do you think he wants to get out of that Eastern League? Have you seen the, the cities in that Double A Eastern League? 
it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's let's let's it's New Britain. It's um, Trenton, New Jersey. Hmm. It's Reading, Pennsylvania. It's Erie, Pennsylvania. Hmm. There's some cities. Talk about like old industrial towns where some of these guys, if you're rehabbing or if you're a prospect trying to like go through pretty quickly, you got to get to like Trenton and be like, oh god, Oof. this is let's just let's just hit 350, get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm just gonna apologize to all our many viewers in uh, Trenton, in New Trenton, Britain, Erie, etc. In Trenton, Harrisburg, Reading, y'all come talk to me. I, if you're really from there. <laughs> You're agreeing with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, but hey, you know he, he did something. But the thing is, is like I think everybody and their mother would like you know Hanley Ramirez to really take his time getting back from the sore foot and see what you have out there in a uh, outfield of Bradley Betts and Castillo. Yeah, you know because it's obviously our, and you know you can mix Tatiazza in there wherever you want, but that's an actual legitimate good defensive outfield. You know, and when you put Hanram in there, we go from good to below average. See, here's my question, because Fenway and Coors, where the Rockies play, are diametrically opposed outfields. And so this just, you you triggered something in my brain. Uh-oh. The Rockies need a good defensive outfield because you have so much ground to cover. You need guys who can move and guys who have great arms. And the Rockies do okay. Two out of three are good defenders. Their third one, their third everyday one, Corey Dickerson's pretty crappy. Um, but he hits well. The Red Sox, Fenway's small. I know it's weird. I know the Green Monster's weird, but you can learn to play basic hops off that, assuming it doesn't hit something weird on the scoreboard. I don't think that for the Red Sox, a defensive outfield should be the focus, even if you can get it. You might need a very good defensive center fielder. It gets weird in deep center out there. There's a lot of ground to cover. But in left and right, I think Fenway's one place you can really get away with subpar defensive guys if you go for hitters. Negative. I can agree with that left field-wise. But right field is huge. It's one of the most expansive right fields in the league. I mean, it gets a bad rap because the pesky pose yeah. is like two but it wraps around. Yeah. But then it jets out. And right center is one of the deeper right centers in the American League, you know? Well, but that's something where if you had a really good center fielder, you say, how much ground can this guy cover? And yeah. do you shade him to right just a little bit? Because right. left is so damn small. Well, well I mean, that's what the, the Sox try and do now is, like, because right is so huge, they like to try and get center fielders to play right field. That's why get, bringing over a Victorino when they did yeah. that for him to man right. And he was a great defensive right fielder for us, you know? And I think Castillo can be that as well. It's just what makes me sick is, like, when... Betts and Bradley are in there together. Bradley is a better center fielder than him, but it seems like just because we know Betts is like the second coming of Freddie Lynn, we just want to keep him in there. Why not make <laughs> him a left fielder and he can be in that great lineage of, you know, Whoa. Yaz, Rice, this week, Mike Greenwell? This week, Mike Greenwell. Well, you know, this week, series of three. This. <laughs> They said that uh, they said that Hanley's not moving positions. Didn't they announce this they week did. he's not going to do it? Yeah. So as long as that guy's under contract, you're not, you know, barring some weird injury or something, yeah. you're not going to see him move. So that the uh, Cherryton did say that he said the same thing about Sandoval, mm-hmm. and you know I think people are kind of like jumping at conclusions a little bit. Like Sandoval, he's just having a funky year, you know, and the guy has the tools to be. A good defensive third baseman. So to try and uproot him right now is ridiculous. But to think Hanram was going to be a good left fielder, even though he played infield his entire life, that, that's just uh, it's just foolish to think, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know he's horrible, but you know he's 
at best, he's going to be as good as Manny was, you know? And we dealt with that because he could bat. And but he's and, not hitting right and now. And that was the same thing with Cespedes, right? Yeah. When, when Cespedes is the kind of a guy who would play left field in Fenway because he's a terrible defender. Great arm, yeah. but he's a terrible defender. Maybe you stick him in right two because you want to take advantage of the arm. But the dude cannot play outfield. We want really him well. to play right field yeah. because of his can. Because of the arm. Yeah. yeah. And, and he said, no, I play left. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that got that, him shipped out. But of town. that's but that's a, and that's a left fielder. And I know obviously he wasn't a fit there anyways. And you you know y'all tried. Yeah. But that's the kind of left fielder. If it's a big bat, poor defense left fielder, and you got to wear it, a la Manny Ramirez. As long as your next left fielder is not cutting off throws from center field like Manny Ramirez <laughs> was, you know there's a, there's a point you don't want to cross. But you can be pretty crappy in that outfield because it's so tiny. I think you can hide a guy there. That's yeah. one of the only. One of the one of the biggest, maybe most focal point outfields in all of baseball, where you can hide a guy. You know, increasingly, there's not many places like that in left field in Boston. It's definitely one. Yeah. So it was nice, a little win today. Henry Owens gets his first major league win. He's actually pitched pretty well in his two starts this week. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen kind of let him down and uh, let that game get out of hand early in the week for the Yankees. Of. But you know. Uh, I, before we get into this week and uh, Red Sox baseball, uh, another two hits for Poppy today. He's actually been on fire. Mm-hmm. Let me just give you a little Poppy love here, okay? He had in the first uh, in the last fifty games dating back to June eleventh, he has seventeen home runs in one hundred and seventy nine at bats. Before that, in the first fifty two games, he had six homers in one hundred and ninety six. Him and Carlos Gonzalez have had parallel seasons. Yeah. From June 1, Cargo's hit 21 homers. Cargo's the hottest guy in the league by far, bar none. Hit two more today. Yeah. Pa- I didn't realize Poppy was that close. He is hot. Wow. He is hot right now. And, wow. you know, I mean, it always comes back to the Rockies here when Bobby DeMiro's in the house. Hey, listen, way, that's you know? Cargo's the hottest guy in the league. He was he a July a, player of the month. That's I National League. We're I talking junior circuit. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that Poppy was that close. He, he, yeah. He's hot. He's my, hot. my biggest thing in entering today, I don't know how much, did he, if he struck out at all today, but entering today, last seven, 22 at-bats, four walks and two strikeouts. So talk mm-hmm. about home runs and all that stuff. But that's my key when you're seeing the ball real well, even if you're not getting the hits and the outcome isn't quite there. But a veteran like Poppy, when you walk four times and, you know, 26, yeah. 27 plate appearances and you strike out twice, you're right on. Yeah. <laughs> you're right there, you know. And he's never been a huge strikeout guy, but any power hitter is going to K. Yeah. He 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 came today and uh, oh. he had one intentional walk, but he's always going to take the walks. The the point is is like, I mean, today he had uh the immortal Travis Shaw hit behind him. So maybe you get a little more aggressive at the plate. Although Shaw's been doing good lately, so I, I can't say that. But, uh, you know, when he's had Hanram behind him a lot, who basically hit until he bashed his shoulder into the, the sidewall in left field and hasn't really hit since. Yeah. So give him time to mend. You know, maybe that shoulder needs bending. He's out right now with the sore foot. He said the left foot hasn't been fractured. X-rays were negative. But, uh, you know, he says he's fouled the ball off that like four times this year. So let him mend. Let's see a good defensive outfield, you know, for a few games here. Where does, he, where does he wear his pad on his foot? Every one of these guys has a pad. Does he have a shin guard? Uh, it, it, might, it must not have that lower section that goes over the foot. 
Because even because yeah, because that's the thing. Like I feel like everybody who wears a pad, you mm. get hit in the one part you're not padded. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if you wear an elbow guard, you get hit high up on the shoulder or something. Like if you wear mm. the 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 shin guard, you know the ankle guard, you can get hit right on the toe. Yeah. Maybe it's a case where he does have that, but it's kind of the same fit as his helmet, so it flies <laughs> off with any single movement. That happens a lot. You know? <laughs> it does. In the box, though, that'd be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, I mean, not a bad week this week. 500 on the road for a team that, you know, has been playing as poorly as they have. It's it's not bad. And, and they, had, they had some good pitching performances in the Bronx. Look, they could have got out of there with two out of three. Well, yeah. I would say, phrase it this way, 500 on the road. Two, uh, the Tigers aren't good, but they're not terrible. Yeah. Two decent teams. The Yankees are going to be a playoff team, it looks like. Right. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. The Blue Jays, Blue Jays yeah, just Maybe not. But two decent teams, and of the six games you played this week, two of them were by a guy making his first two big league starts. Right. Prospect, don't care, doesn't matter. It's a guy who's never been in the big leagues before. You go one and one in his starts, three and three overall. He makes a third of your starts this week, and you go three and three on the road. That's pretty good. Yeah. Look at it that way. I, li- I like what I was seeing on him. Today, he got, he was a little bit, got in, got in some hairy situations with the walks. You know, he had four walks today, three of them let off an inning. So, well, alternatively, one run, it never burns you. Right. You know, part of that's luck for sure, but part of that, does this guy bear down when he needs to? That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. He's really inefficient. He has been today. Uh, that's true of every young pitcher. Show me a young pitcher who's not inefficient, and I'll show you like a young Steven Strasburg or somebody who has even the next level of stuff. You know, there's very few guys who can afford to be not, who can afford to be so efficient in their first couple starts. Yeah. So, if I think Henry Owens for what, 10 innings now? Five walks or something like that. Couple runs, three, four runs. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, he was looking for a similar line in his earliest start that uh, last week. You know, he went through five and only allowed allowed a run, but then he let the first two couple guys on in that sixth, and you know, our uh, tremendous bullpen kind of uh, let those in. Do you think? I believe fifty innings is the cutoff for uh, rookie classification. You think he's going to hit fifty this year? He will not be a rookie next season. Or let me let me let me I guess give you the other option. I was thinking that once we hit September first and rosters expand, the Sox, like a lot of people, might go to a six-man rotation or something and push him back a couple days here and there and let him throw once a week and slow him down. I think you might see that because they're gonna, you know, rather than uh, you know trying to preserve his rookie status or anything like that, it's just a total innings thing, you know. Yeah. And they just kind of kind of keep their their eye on these guys. They want to see him. They want to take a thorough look at all these lefties. Johnson, who's a little dinged right now, um, you know. Eduardo, obviously, who's been great, and Owens, you know. But the guy I am tremendously excited about after his best start of his career, Mr. Stephen Wright. <laughs> The guy is sick. And I'll tell you what, that's two good starts in a row. And you know who had a little talking to him down at the bullpen before his second to last start? Oh, God. Who oh, was yeah. It? Mr. Timmy Knucks himself, Timmy <laughs> Wakefield. And he, you know, just in that lineage of knuckleballers, you know, just is passing gems down to young Mr. Stephen Wright. And this dude, you, you, want, a, you want an ace to emerge out of this young staff? You really think the so? The knuckler. Really? I love it. 
You I really love think the so? Knuckle. Yeah, I mean he's been, okay. he was lights out in the Bronx, eight innings, nine Ks, one run. All right, they couldn't handle it. He's going to end up with okay stats, two thirty eight batting average against one point two WHIP. Pretty good for a starter. You you look at starters with one point two WHIPs. You're looking at some pretty. You're not looking at Kershaw, but that's next world. You're looking at some pretty solid starters. So he's going to end up doing okay. How about Joe Kelly throwing the ball much better this week? Much better. Much better. But, you know, it seems like he will show flashes for three innings and then the wheels come off and he loses fastball command and leaves things out over the plate to the wrong hitters and they hit him hot, you know? And it's like, that, it's kind of been a, a, a recipe for disaster for the Red Sox this year because that's happened with a bunch of guys. Yeah. Maybe, kind of Miley did it the other day. He started out all right. I mean, he he had... Rajay Davis looking silly on his first two at bats. I think he K'd him twice, and then he had him 0-2, and the dude took him deep. Yeah, you know, and that was a pivotal home run the other night. He was he was moving moving along pretty good. Until yeah, the, the 0-2 home was, run that was Saturday. The 0-2 home run is unconscionable. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in, I don't unless it is a ten nothing game in the eighth inning. You're up ten zip, and you're yeah. just you're being efficient. He hits a home run, fine. Yeah, almost any other situation that 0-2 home run. I mean, unless you throw a ball down and the dude has, like, Nomad Garcia power like yeah. plate coverage and he hits it off his shoe top. It's Vladimir Guerrero. Well, okay, yeah. yeah. But that but he, was... Even then, like, you, you know. want to get a guy on a front foot, even if he doesn't... And I know 0-2 is not an automatic ball. The people who think, oh, we'll throw one in the dirt, that's dumb, too. You're literally wasting a pitch. Think about how many times you get 0-2 every game if you're a starter. You're going to waste 10, 15 pitches a game doing that. But you got to make a better pitch than anything that catches plate. You know, yeah. you want to be shin high and moving down. You want to be three inches off and moving away. Something like that. Right. I'd rather waste ball one in the dirt than have uh, the yeah. batter waste one in the seats. Absolutely. So. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Yanks, I mean, we had some young kids pitching good in the Bronx. And the Tigers, we take two out of three. How about Jose Iglesias, former Red Sox? You know, dusting it up a little bit in the dugout do you, the other Do night. you think one of them was Team Dombrowski and the other one was Team... Not Dombrowski? As far as Iglesias and McCann? Yeah. Do you think that they were fighting over the general... I mean, I'm kidding. They weren't doing it. I think they are both Dombrowski. It happened pretty parallel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was both that. I mean, it was just basically... It looked like he lollygagged after that bouncer out the middle. You know? And for all we hear about that kid McCann is he's the next stud catcher, you know? He's like, you know, one of those guys that holds everybody to task. Uh, You see uh, Bryce's tweet about him. He's going to... He'll wear a C one day, just like Varric. Are you seeing tweets that I'm not seeing? I read about the tweets, I think, in the newspaper. <laughs> you know, so old school, you know. But, uh, oh, yeah. But listen, so McCann, you just have to be careful when you're young like McCann. Uh, baseball is a game of order and history and tradition and we can up, we can upend it in a lot of different ways you know sabermetrics is a great example of upending the tradition of baseball but there's still an underlying current of order and when you disturb that it's been disturbed it gets disturbed every year it gets disturbed in ways that don't you know make it to television so we never find out it gets disturbed in the locker room all the time but there is a place for everyone there (laughs) so sometimes you gotta kind of wear it when you're young for a little while and then you look back two and three years later and most guys when they get treated like crap when they're young relatively in the game they say you know what i'm not going to do that 
to the next crew of guys because I want to win. I don't care about this order as much. And it evolves. But if you're getting treated one way and, and whatever's going on, we don't know the whole story, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I would just say for a young guy like that, you got to be a little careful sometimes. Pick your spots. Pick your battles. If you're going to do that, I'm cool with you doing that. Do it when you know there are no cameras around. Maybe that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Because mm. it turns into, you know, high drama. We're talking about it. We don't cover the Tigers. Who cares? But everybody mm. wants to talk about that stuff because yeah. it's memorable and weird and kind of goofy and a little bit of a blooper and a total scandal. Yeah. You know? I kind of like the young kid. Ketcha's got to control everything, you know? So if he lights somebody up, whether so it's does, down, you know, So does a shortstop, though. Yeah. Well, hey, Glacius is young too. Somebody's got to get in. Yeah, he in. is. He's relatively you know? young too. So, so the, maybe that's an the all-star question. team. Where's a big head? Where's a Miguel Cabrera? Where's a Victor Martinez? Where's a guy like that? And maybe it's not their role, and maybe this happens behind their back, anyways. But you know, that's the top-down thing on this team. Is like who runs this team, and why do these two feel like they need to fight for that almost that leadership? They're jockeying for a position. It's like, wait a second. There's plenty of tenured guys above you. Yeah. You know. But I mean, again, you know, we don't. I don't see the Tigers night in and night out. I see them, you know, a couple times a year. Right. So it could be a total relationship that we don't get. I know one guy that doesn't run the Tigers, and that's Dave Dombrowski. Oh. oh. <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> odd, you know. They should just, but. I, I got a question for you. Yep. Do we see him with the Red Sox? With the Rockies, absolutely. With the Rockies, no, mean, no, no. I don't think you I... take that far a step down. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Things that really serious on here. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Here's why I ask. Yeah. Okay. Because Lucino, we didn't really touch upon it last week, but he stepped down. Yeah. And there's been kind of like different articles this week. Like, did he step down, or is it because of the poor performance of the team? But I think he kind of stepped down. There's been talk of this for the past three or four years about him coming down, staying in a consulting capacity, but just taking over different responsibilities. But his like protege, this Sam Kennedy kid who's coming in, I like a young kid getting that, a, a, a hometown guy. He's a Brookline guy. So I like him stepping in there. But he said the other day that he's not, not going to be involved in like the team like team building he's going to be do more organizational stuff mm-hmm. so does that mean more responsibility falls in Ben Charrington's lap and does he really deserve such responsibility uh, with recent acquisitions and performance or does that mean like a guy like Tom Warner makes more decisions than that because that hasn't really done well. He was kind of the guy that was behind bringing in Crawford and Gonzalez. You yeah. know, and we did that, and we all know where that went. Well, know? so, I mean, do you bring in a, a tenured guy, a guy that has a proven track record to come in as, as kind of that, I don't know, like co-president of team building? The, or what I, I the mean, problem is, like, who who would you get rid of? on that list because all those guys have pretty integral roles obviously and all those guys none of them have done anything maybe some Red Sox fans disagree but none of them have done anything super fireable yet I don't look at Ben Sherrington and say oh fire the guy can him it's like yeah. nah you gotta give him a little bit of time right. if you're gonna do it do it but you gotta you gotta look at the long play with somebody like a general manager yeah. this isn't a player this isn't an on-field manager a general manager is a different time level yeah. so with any of those guys any of those front office guys how do you work this is the same argument as iglesias and mccann how do you work the inner workings the hierarchy the order within there and if dombrowski's okay with whatever xyz role he's got and everybody knows exactly what is defined of them sure if yeah. you can negotiate that and if he's interested he's certainly a smart baseball guy nobody's questioning that yeah but if if he's a guy who comes in and says well i'm gonna run the team and charrington says no you're not i'm gonna run the team and whoever else says no you're not i'm gonna right forget it right you know 
That, well, there was a lot of that with Lucchino, you yeah. know, going back and forth. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why Theo left because of button heads with uh, Lucchino in the front office. It's, and what it's have like having a newspaper almost. you got to have in a newspaper your business side and your editorial side ideally should be totally separated. Mm-hmm. You make separate decisions. It's like that in baseball. The organizational depth side, the minor leagues, mm-hmm. are relatively separated from the big leagues. You need to know what's going on on both sides. But the minor leagues have a separate plan than the big leagues do. And then the business side, the team, the organization has a separate plan. And once you get the owners bleeding in from the organization making money into the on-field decisions on the team, team eh, sometimes that turns out like al davis you know and the raiders that's that's the worst case scenario but that's the kind of crap that comes up because owners don't know what they're doing they think they do that's why you hire general managers is why you hire front office guys and that's why you buy a soccer team so you can go and mess that stuff up (laughs) all right and no one will know (laughs) yeah yeah go go handle that over there i mean although (laughs) i mean who can do worse than they're doing this year? You know, you and I should put the club together next year. You know what? You know? I actually would love to put a baseball team together one year and just see what it does. And I'm the one millionth person to say that. But I would love to put a team together one year just to see what would happen. Because every team, you follow any team, and it's not big moves. I'm not saying, you know, hey, Red Sox, here's the path to trade for Granky and Kershaw and to sign David Price. It's not stupid video game stuff. It's like very small moves couple of guys you look at saying, why don't they pick this guy up? They can get him cheap, and no one ever does it. Yeah. I would love to run a team for a year. Right. I'm telling you. That would be the dream. That would be the dream. <laughs> so um, did you happen to see who was DFA today? Uh, one Mr. Justin Masterson. Are you serious? Oh, yes, and his $9.5 oh, million salary. So what do you salary. do with him? Uh you're just gonna put them. You're just gonna eat it. I mean, at this point, you eat it. You're only eating what a couple million. I mean, but you kind of have to. I mean, you don't think they'll work out a trade in the next ten days? Well, he was. Uh, I, I don't see. I mean, yeah, I guess if you decide to eat most of the contract anyway. Yeah, you would have to eat something. everything anyways. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's not good. He's not good. And I was kind of excited. I mean, he, he was like. You know, coming back to the fold. I remember him pitching pretty well before we <laughs> traded him. He, he's just got nothing. He, like the other day, uh, like that Friday night game, they're up 7 2. And it should be a night off for Koji. Yep. And then he comes in, loads him up, becomes a safe situation. In comes Koji. Koji. Yep. He does what he does. He strikes out Iglesias, and then he gets Kinsler to line a shot off his forearm. Do you think it was too premature to bring Koji in, though? It was still 7 2 at that point. They hadn't scored yet. Yeah. But I mean, again, if you hit a bases clearing double at seven five, the tying run comes up. Then you're really screwed. So I understand it. Like I think it's kind of premature, but with Koji, it's like the deal is, is like once that guy starts warming up, he's coming in the game. Yeah. You know, it's just the, that's kind of how they've been dealing with them the past couple. Well, and that's years. closers too. You're not going to get your closer up and down three times. Yeah. In a game, it's a one and done. Right. Take the shot. There. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I thought. Maybe it was, uh, you know, it would have been nice to have been able to give Koji a night off, especially where he's now hurt. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's not really Masterson's fault, but it's kind of Masterson's fault because you can't get three damn outs with a five-run lead. Yeah, that's pretty sad. But, I mean, the CT scan he got in Detroit came back negative, no break, but he did go back today to Boston to have the Boston doctors check him out. So we'll see where that leads. Uh, also on the uh, MASH unit going on, Hanley obviously sat there with the left foot. Sandoval has jammed left thumb. He sat today. 
Was it from uh, playing video games? Uh, <laughs> I think it was from doing the Instagram yeah. on the toilet. <laughs> was it was it at the salad bar? Well, he's not at the salad bar. Was it at like the, <laughs> oh, wow. the next bar from the salad bar, the fried stuff bar? Yeah, yeah, it must have been. It must have. We, no, it was we like, saw him there, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably eat the same restaurants. I mean, not really. Can't afford those. But... Uh, and then also a news on Clay Buckholtz. He'll have a follow-up this week on Wednesday with Dr. James Andrews. Cut him open. So, I mean, if it comes to that, Farrell's still hopeful that after Wednesday's session with the Andrews, he's going to give him the green light to start a throwing program. So For what? For what is for right. For what? Because if he starts his throwing program and then, you know, it's in three weeks and then he has to get the TJ... Like, what's the sense? It's, if you TJ'd him right away, we'd be six, seven weeks ahead of the game. Exactly. And this isn't like you don't want to just TJ a guy just to do it, but this time of year is a good time to have it because, TJ, you're going to miss calendar year plus anyways. And as a starter, you're going to miss like 16 months probably, 16, yeah. 18 months. Well, if you get it now and you miss the next 16 months, you're ready for opening day 2017. Right. You show up to spring training, normal, you know? And that's assuming a lot. And that's a long time, and you may never have to have Tommy John or flexor surgery or whatever it's going to be. But what's the point in trying to get on a throwing program right now? That's a guy you almost just say, you know what, relative to the year you've had, the year we've had, what's going on with your arm, I'm just going to shut you down anyways. Yeah, right. You know, what do you bring up another young guy? Who else is down in AAA right now that you want to take a look at? Bring somebody else up when rosters expand. Do a six-man rotation, whatever it needs to be. You're not playing for anything. I mean, is there anybody... Left <laughs> down there. I mean, we got like the Paw Sox rotation up here is now the Bo Sox rotation. All of a sudden, Justin Masterson removed from waivers back in the rotation. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Hell no. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's the strategy for the Red Sox and about 15 other teams moving forward. Uh, the second wild card's exciting because it gives those teams on the bubble, those Blue Jays, until they went 12 and 1 in their last 13 or whatever, those, those, you know, White Sox who got hot at the right time, those teams think they're in the playoff race. The ones who are out, like Boston, it's almost a benefit. You're not on that bubble, you're not lying to yourself on the bubble. Because you're out, let every young guy play. I would let I would go as young as you possibly can, bring bets back when he can come back in another couple days or a week or whatever, and then play eight young guys and big poppy. You know? Right. Let young guys play, see what you have. This is Jackie Bradley time. This is Betts and Bogart's time. You're not auditioning them anymore, but this right. is time for them to get reps. And then for a guy like Buckholt, say you would be too valuable to us next year if you don't have the surgery or the following year if you do. So we're gonna shut you down. You know, there's no. What are you trying to do? Win games right now? Yeah. You could lose every game the rest of the season, as crazy as it sounds. But if you were letting young guys play, if you're auditioning guys on the 40 man when they expand rosters in September, and if you're auditioning everybody for spring training in 2016 to figure out exactly what you have, that's a bigger win than winning games the rest of the way. I'm serious. You All could right. end it. You could end at 50. What are they? 50 and 62 right now. You could literally end at 50 and 112. You know, and I know that's that brutal. This show would be unbearable. <laughs> but <laughs> you would lose 50 straight games. But am I wrong about that? Because down the line, and obviously you're not going to lose every game, but down the line, you'd much rather know what these young guys are capable of. Yeah, it's good to get a uh, look at the young guys. Uh, one thing is, and I, I'm not too clear on how this would work, but I wouldn't want to stop the clock on anybody earlier well, than. That's true, we but would with want. a lot of these guys, the only guys who would have been like super two for me 
are somebody like Henry Owens, who's up now. Right. He missed the Super 2 this year, but he's up already. So it's like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with a guy like that? Yeah, yeah. So pick maybe your couple best prospects and say, okay, we bring him up on rosters expand. But even then, that's three weeks away. Yeah, You're almost there already. Yeah. So take the young team now, see what you have in some of these young guys. Let Josh Rutledge play it out. You know, see what a guy like that has in the middle infield. Nothing great, but at least you will know. I told you this last week. I know. I, <laughs> I told I, you this last I week. I think I'm fine on Josh Rutledge. I think that, you know, we don't really need to see him play to know that he's going to be an average fielding utility man who might knock one out of the park now and again. What is he, one for his first 12 or something? Oh, yeah. I don't know. He played today. Played a little second base today, but we'll see. But we're going to have Pedroia back. He's going to play. When is he spo- What day is he supposed to come back? Does he have any idea yet? No. Yeah. He's like resuming some stuff this week or something, uh, baseball activities. I forget what I read. but It's a lost season for a lot of guys. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, And I have big, big plans for him this year, but uh, what are you going to do? Hey, welcome to the other side mm-hmm. after those three World Series in 10 years or whatever. Yeah. What's it like being back with the regular folk? The Rockies put put together three World Series in yeah, fit your, fit I remember your, uh, 07. I was at game one and game two. I'll tell you what. Feel free to uh, feel free to put your stuff down, move around here in the loser's pod. Yeah. Uh, let us know what it feels like. Let us know if we can get you anything. Some humble pie, maybe. Oh. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with Buckholz because I think he is kind of... Uh, uh, on a club option for next year. Mm-hmm. So, do you pick up a club option just to have a guy sit and mend? You know, how much is it for? I think it's like twelve or thirteen million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could you could always see the thing is with a lot of these guys when they get injured, and it depends on the specifics of these contracts. But if it's TJ, if it is Tommy John or something where he's going to miss a year, uh, decline the club option, sign him at a cheaper. Right, and right. keep rehabbing him, you yeah. know, and then hope that you can get him after next year. You can get him for relatively less money than twelve or thirteen because he's been in the organization. He knows the organization. He rehabbed here. He's obviously comfortable here. Yeah. And then you can sign him for eight or ten or whatever it is the following year, and maybe take a flyer. That's a cheap starter for what Buckholz could give you healthy. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm all for that yeah. if that happens. It's just with you know guys like. Uh, Rick Porcello getting 22 mil a year. I just wonder if that's yeah. even feasible. But uh, and speaking of options, Poppy's option kicked in it after yesterday for 425 plate appearances, and he gets kicked in for 11 mil next year, hmm. I believe. So, and that's a bargain. You know, I know you're down on this guy, all right? But he's he's on his way to 30 bombs again this year, and you know, probably knocking 85 to 90 to get that for an 11 million. That's a bargain, regardless of age. You know. Okay. You you don't want to do your weekly poppy bash? No, I mean it's not a bash. No. It's just we got to be realistic about when we move them out. But if mm-hmm. if if we can agree as a society that he needs to be done in Boston after next year, the worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to hit 270 next year with another 30 bombs, and then everybody in Boston is going to get nostalgic and say sign Poppy again, and then you're going to sign him on a one year deal or a one year deal and option, and he's going to be 54 DHing, and he's going to hit 190, and he's going to be Mike Napoli part two. Oof. That's the risk. That's that's what you need to worry about. So I think I think next year is the victory lap, and then you kind of like. Go to him in private and say, "Are you retiring? Because if you're not, <laughs> here's the deal." <laughs> but if he hits 
265 next year with 30 bombs and 95 RBIs. But I'm saying the following year. Then the following year, if he does that again next year, what do you do? Another one-year deal, another option, another one year and an option. And then what what happens if he hits 180? You know, well, it's going to catch him. Yeah, but you want to be in a situation where you may have to eat it for one bad year as opposed to giving him a two-year deal. But, I guess. You know, I'm you just, just keep giving him the Tim Wakefield. He comes back and takes $5.5 million yeah. one-year deal. That's what I'm hoping happens with Wright. He's just a knuckler and he gets into that thing, even though that drove Wake, Wakefield wild every freaking time that happened. Yeah. But I just want to touch upon the uh, the guys the Sox did put on waivers this week. Napoli, he's obviously gone, him and Cash, for, like, Cash getting back or potentially nothing. a player to be named. Nothing. Pretty much nothing. Um, Castillo put on there. He's starting to play better lately. Slightly surprising, but not at his number. Seven mil, seventy-two point five. I mean, seven years, seventy-two point five million. They're gonna just see what's out there if any bites. Jackie Bradley Jr. Seeing if anybody wants a Gold Glove caliber center fielder that hits one ninety. Uh, Brock <laughs> Holt. I was kind of surprised to put that on there. No, but let me pro- let me let me tell you why. Yeah, yeah. I think you put everybody on waivers this time of year. Because you're just seeing what people offer. It's true. You're seeing if somebody claims claims them and then says, hey, we have this guy. And if you've been scouting out XYZ for a long time in the Mariners organization, and they say, we'll take Brock Holt, we'll give you this guy. You say, wait a second, we love that guy. You know, right. whatever the thing is, I think right. you got to put anybody out there to see what they offer. You really do. Because, yeah. I mean, you always have the option to pull him back. Yeah. You know? I think and you put, you put uh, honestly, I mean, this is crazy, but I think the Nationals would put Bryce Harper out there just to see because you can always pull them back. You're not going right. to lose these guys. Right, right. But just to see what people are offering. If somebody blows your pants off, you say, hey, yeah. if we can get better by losing a superstar or a very good player or a good young guy, if it makes us better, why not? It's about wins. It ain't about loyalty to a guy. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper isn't out there. He's not. But if you well, are looking for a bat and want to take a chance, he, Hanley Ramirez is out a there. A lot of those guys could be. A lot of these guys aren't announced. Yeah. Teams will put everybody on waivers and don't announce it. Oh. So everybody could be floating around on waivers I right now. I think that was the deal with Manny initially, though, yeah. way back when. And also, so Hanley's on there and Breslow and Masterson, Masterson DF, DFA. Little surprised uh, Alejandro Diaz wasn't on this list. He could be privately, though. Yeah. You know, the list you have and the list of what's actually been put on waivers, yeah. teams will put, uh, literally, man, general managers will put their whole roster on waivers sometimes yeah. because you just, what's the harm? Right. You just want to see. Right. You know, yeah. so it'd be, d- for a team going nowhere like Boston and a lot of other clubs, well, it'd be dumb not to. Yep, yep. We would be dumb. But hopefully we can... Uh, you know, get something for him. So uh, what do we get coming up this week? We got two at Miami, and then mm-hmm. we're back home for three with... It's the Yankees, right? Or am I crazy? I think you might be crazy. I think <laughs> it's... Uh... It is two at Miami, though. Yeah, it's two at Miami, and then uh, I don't have it here. But anyways, it's three at home. I think it might be... Uh, uh, the Mets? No, we go to the Mets the following week after that. But... Five games this week. Hopefully, we have a winning record, three and two. Maybe we can steal two in uh, Miami and uh, have a winning road trip. Miami's weird. That'd Good be luck. fantastic. Good it luck. is where they have that weird um, monument in center field and the fish tanks behind mm-hmm. the plate. You mm-hmm. know those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miami's weird, man. Weird stuff happens in Miami. Just never. I stopped handicapping games in Miami forever ago because weird stuff happens. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Well, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Twitter, guys, you can tweet me at Bobby DeMuro. Yes. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Join us next week around 7.05 Eastern Time for another edition of Red Sox Wrap 360. 
Thanks a lot. Go Sox. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.